This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson. Happy almost New Year, Scoop Podcast faithful. Appreciate you always checking out the Scoop Podcast when you have so many options. This will be the final Scoop Podcast of 2017. So happy New Year to everyone. A happy and healthy New Year. It is Scoop Podcast episode 118. I, like many, trying to fight off a cold. The bleeping temperature fluctuation always gets to me. And I need to preserve my voice for four hours of radio, filling in for Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Thursday, working with my colleague, my friend from Channel 5, Chris Long. And we'll be joined by Lou Nanny, Brian Windhorst of ESPN for some NBA talk, and we'll come up with a couple other things as well. So I won't go real long here on episode 118. I will replay at the end of this podcast my conversation on the radio last week with former Gophers coach Jerry Kill. Sadly, had to walk away from coaching at Rutgers, had another seizure in season, and it was the recommendation of his doctors that he does walk away permanently but hey it was also a good week for jerry kill who became a grandparent a granddad for the first time i'll start with an interesting miguel sano tidbit that i actually brought up on the radio when i filled in on tuesday but hey i get it the audience is ever-changing a lot of you listening to this maybe didn't hear me on the radio on tuesday it was also something i reported on tv over the weekend but i'll dive into this miguel sano talker in just a second first some love for the sponsor of the scoop podcast it is running tap running hyphen tap online. If you're having a big New Year's Eve party, hey, they deliver on Sunday. So whether it's Sunday, December 31st, you need some good local beer delivered right to your house, or maybe it's Saturday, it's a great party weekend. Nobody can deny that. Check out running-tap.com. You think about all the good local beer, all the good local beer here in the Twin Cities. You may not have access to all that beer. Well, guess what? Running Tap has access to a lot of that beer. They will deliver beer ASAP right to your location. They don't upcharge for Sunday delivery either. So you think about New Year's Eve, you know, you place an order in the morning. There's a good chance you'll have it for the afternoon. You'll have it in time for your New Year's Eve party. So check them out. Again, the website, running-tap.com. And be sure to use the promo code the scoop zero zero two the scoop zero zero two for twenty dollars off your order as long as it's thirty dollars or more that is one heck of a deal the scoop zero zero two is the promo code the website is running hyphen tap dot com so late last week unsolicited I had a contact I have from an American League team's front office, not the Twins, a different team than the Twins, an American League front office, reach out to me, somebody I've known for a number of years, heck, going back to my time working at MLB Network in 2009, and over the years, heck, when I worked at the other radio station, you know, getting to know a lot of people, got to develop the Rolodex. So I've gotten to know a lot of people in the game. This is somebody I've known for a handful of years. This person, unsolicited, asked me if I had heard that the Twins were marketing Miguel Sano putting his name out there just to see if anything happens to stick. And this executive's point was, this person is a higher up in one of the American League front offices. This person's point was, it makes sense if you're the Twins because you can still market him, you can still float him as a third baseman. It is this executive's belief that in a couple years, maybe even in a year, Miguel Sano is more a first baseman or a DH, that you can't market him as a third baseman. Now, nothing is imminent. Nothing is close. If I had to bet Miguel Sano is wearing a Twins uniform in 2018, 
but still interesting nonetheless as the Twins explore all sorts of different possibilities to acquire a star pitcher. They are still in on you, Darvish, I am told. They hope to meet with you, Darvish, sometime soon. As of a couple days ago, nothing was set in stone. Darvish met last week with the Cubs and Astros. I hear the Mariners have kicked the tires on Darvish. And you know the Dodgers and Yankees are always lurking. So as I said on the radio the other day, if I had to bet, yes, the Twins think the world of you, Darvish. We've established that for weeks. The Twins would love to have you, Darvish, on a shorter-term deal. If he is open to a four-year deal, for example, the Twins are game. In the end, from what I can gather, do I see the Twins giving you, Darvish, a six-year deal worth 130 to $140 million? I don't. I believe there's trepidation on the Twins' part, more the front office, not necessarily ownership, although I think you would need to sell ownership pretty hard on a six-year deal for a guy that had Tommy John surgery a couple years ago, a guy that is 32 years old at the moment. So you think about a six-year deal, you know, you'd be looking at issues there, years, potential years, four, five, and six, or minimum five and six, or maybe just six. But you'd be looking at some warts, some issues with a guy that old who had Tommy John surgery. I mean, that's just what the research suggests. So the Twins would be open to a four-year deal. Could you potentially structure a six-year deal where you front-load the money? I suppose maybe, because I'm telling you, the Twins think the world of you, Darvish. They don't look at his World Series performance and say, ah, we don't want him, you know, anything like that. Trust me, Thad Levine loves you, Darvish. I just don't see the match with the other teams that are in the mix, the potential of you, Darvish, getting a six-year deal from somebody else. So the Twins are exploring the trade market. So you think about the potential arms available, potentially Marcus Stroman of the Blue Jays, Chris Archer of Tampa. You know, certainly Garrett Cole of Pittsburgh is available, but he's only under team control for two more years. If you're moving Miguel Sano, who's under team control for four more years, you're looking for an Archer-type return, somebody that's under contract, a reasonable number for the next four years, you know, or somebody that's got at least three years of team control. You're not moving Miguel Sano for two years of Garrett Cole. I'm just saying, and I've said this before, the Twins are not provincial to any player on the roster. Now, do I see Byron Buxton going anywhere in a trade? I don't, but they are open to endless possibilities. This front office is not married to any guy in particular. They are open to just about anything. They are uber-aggressive when it comes to concocting ideas. So it makes sense, logical sense, when this person unsolicited, I don't think they necessarily wanted it out there. This person was just doing me the favor, somebody I've known for a number of years, telling me that, hey, the Twins have flowed Sano's name to, it was his understanding, a few teams. This wasn't across baseball. This wasn't, you know, the front office, you know, the combination of Rob Antony, Thad Levine, and Derek Falvey reaching out to literally every team saying, hey, you know, we're willing to move Miguel Sano. What are you willing to give us? But, you know, it does make sense for a team that needs a third baseman, you know, why not market him as a third baseman just to see if you could get an enormous return. So just something to keep an eye on. But again, if I were a betting man, I would bet on Miguel Sano being in a Twins uniform in 2018. By the way, on Sano, one of the Twins scouts, Fred Guerrero, posted some video of him working out on his Facebook page. Since posting it, or since me taping this podcast on Wednesday afternoon, the 27th of December, the video was taken down shortly after it was posted. But word is, Sano looked for his standards relatively fit. Also on the Twins, Zach Duke is signed. The exact money, I'm told, is $2.15 million, a one-year deal, a major league contract, $2.15 million, with $1.5 million 
in incentives. So now the 40-man roster is full, but if the Twins need to create room, you know, heck, if you Darvish says, yeah, I'll take four years from you, Minnesota, if they need to create a 40-man spot, they can easily do so. Now that you have Moya, Rogers, and Duke, Buddy Bouchiers isn't necessarily a fit. You have those three lefty relievers, you know, with Rogers leading the way, but certainly Moya is somebody they think highly of, Gabrielle Moya. So you don't need Buddy Bouchiers on the 40-man roster, so he would be the first on the chopping block. Also on the Twins, Duke was their main target as a lefty reliever option. This is that second tier of lefty relievers. They certainly checked in on Jake McGee early in free agency. They just weren't going to go that high. The money he got, it was from who? The Rockies, right? Jake McGee to the Rockies, back to the Rockies. But, you know, that second tier, they didn't reach out on, like, Boone Logan, for example. Duke was the guy they targeted. They got that lefty reliever in that next tier that they wanted. The Mike Napoli interest is a bit overstated. I've talked about Napoli on this podcast going back many, many weeks. Then Jerry Fraley of the Dallas Morning News picked up on it. Some other local reporters picked up on it. But the Twins had interest in Napoli. You know, early in free agency, they placed a call to his representative. Heck, they made him a nice offer last year. In fact, more money than he got from Texas. But he thought Texas had a better chance to win. Lo and behold, he was wrong on that one. But the Twins definitely like Mike Napoli, but they are in no rush to sign a bat. The priority is pitching. So that national report from John Heyman the other day, you know, sensing that something might have been on the cusp. No, but could the Twins end up signing Napoli sometime in January? Sure, it's a name to watch, but I'm telling you, the main focus of the front office is to find a starting pitcher before they go down the bat route. The Twins Hall of Fame ballot arrived to the KSTP Sports Office. Among the names on the 2018 player ballot, you have Dave Boswell, Tom Brunanski, Dean Chance, Dan Gladden, Dave Goltz, Mudcat Grant, Christian Guzman, Brian Harper, Jacques Jones, Corey Kosky, Shane Mack, Jeff Reardon, Johan Santana, Roy Smalley, Cesar Tovar, and Al Worthington. I don't think I'm tipping my hand too much with my vote to suggest that Johan Santana will get one of my votes. He is a lock. In fact, you can make a case he belongs in Cooperstown. It looks like he won't even get enough votes to stay on the ballot, which is ridiculous. But Johan Santana certainly belongs in the Twins Hall of Fame. So he will get one of my votes. You can vote for up to five. So he will get one of my five or if I go less than five. He certainly has one. If I go two, three, four, Johan Santana will be one of my votes. The Wolves begin a stretch Wednesday night when they host Denver. 13 of their next 17 games are against teams over 500. So we'll learn a lot about the Wolves here in the next month. They have one of the toughest remaining schedules in the Western Conference. Can't remember if I mentioned this on episode 117 or not. If I did, I apologize. If I didn't, here you go. Brian Pauga. Wolves personnel director was recently in Spain on a scouting trip. There's at least a couple players over there worthy of a first-round pick in June. I've been asked a lot about Mike James' interest. His camp has gone silent. I can tell you the Wolves did have interest before he signed with the Suns, but a wing or a big is more of a priority than an on-ball guard. So my sense is Mike James doesn't end up with the Wolves, But, hey, I'll keep on top of that as much as I can just because the Wolves did inquire about him over the summer. I've also been asked a lot about potential Tyreek Evans trade interest. Maybe that develops as we get closer to the deadline in early February. But as of now, I am told no talks whatsoever 
with Memphis. I've also been asked about Marco Bellinelli interest. No dialogue yet when it comes to Bellinelli and the Atlanta Hawks. I've mentioned two names to keep an eye on as we get closer to the February deadline. Nerlens Noel in Dallas, Jared Dudley in Phoenix. No traction. Noel is out with an injury right now, so he has to prove he's healthy before Dallas is able to move him anywhere. I do sense the Wolves will be active, whether it's a trade or signing a guy that is bought out by a team. You know, I don't think the Lakers buy out Luau Dang. That's really complicated. But if somehow the Lakers do buy out Luau Dang, yes, the Wolves would have interest in Luau Dang. But whether it's Dang or somebody else, there will be guys bought out before the trade deadline or right after the trade deadline, the Wolves have that open roster spot. I'm telling you, I see them being active, but it might not necessarily be a trade. They will be active in trade talks. Trading for a Jared Dudley, for example, wouldn't shock me, but I'm saying keep an eye on potential buyout candidates. I do see the Wolves tweaking the roster as we get closer to the postseason. The Marcus George's hunt camp has the sense that he will stick for the season. The deadline is January 10th. There is no indication at this point that the Wolves will move on from Marcus George's hunt. So even with Hunt, they're at 14. They have that roster opening. So I think they will utilize that roster opening at some point. On Andrew Wiggins, I've noted how he reached out to Drew Hanlon, his offseason trainer. The issue there is the Wolves prefer to keep everything in-house during the season. That's not unique. A lot of teams prefer that. Heck, Flip Saunders back in the day preferred to keep everything in-house during the season. So it's a little bit of a sticky wicket. Hanlon did go to Phoenix last week when the Wolves were in Phoenix, but I'm told him and Wiggins actually never quite got together. I think there's some video work happening, but in terms of getting together in the gym, that is really complicated because the Wolves, again, prefer to keep everything in-house. The Wolves employ a shooting coach. They have how many different assistant coaches. They have a number of guys that can work with Andrew Wiggins. So they don't like too many cooks in the kitchen. So even though it would make some sense because Drew Hanlon is such a good skills trainer, you think about his work with Joel Embiid, Bradley Beal, Jason Tatum, so many different examples. You know, his track record speaks for itself. You would think that, hey, why not have Drew Hanlon work with Wiggins? He could help fix Wiggins' shooting woes. But the Wolves prefer to keep everything in-house. Here's what you might have missed on a recent episode of the Crafty Rogues podcast. You want to talk cricket? You look like you want to bounce up and down like a cricket ball on a dodgy wicket. No, I, I just want to get the cricket out of the way. Yeah. Gloating is bad. Is it? So I'll only We've do We've only it for got a... two listeners who are anyway interested. I'll only gloat for a Hang couple on. of minutes. Before you get into the cricket. Yeah. Friday night. Yeah. I'm at home with my son. Yes. I'm like, he's like, what are we going to do, Dad? I'm like... I'm going to give you some cultural lessons. So I took him through some of the dodgy channels on the dodgy stick. We actually found the Minnesota Wild Game on a Portuguese channel <laughs> that was taking uh, a feed from Minnesota. But further down the pecking order, I showed him some rugby. Yeah. He enjoyed that. We yeah. spent 20 minutes explaining that. Then I showed him cricket. He said, ooh, what's that? Yeah. And then I explained it was the ashes and he, he fell yeah. asleep. You lost him there? Yeah. You can find The Crafty Rogues on iTunes or wherever it is you find your podcasts. Download and subscribe today. I'll empty out my notebook before we get to the Jerry Kill interview. Admittedly, 
the scoop took a couple days off. I did some TV work Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, but spent a lot of time with the family. I have not been digging like I normally dig the last handful of days. So admittedly, this podcast isn't as lengthy as others, but I have enough. So I got you some Twins notes. I got you some Wolves notes. And now I'll just empty out everything else I wrote down. The Gophers are planning as if Nate Mason will not play on Saturday against Harvard. It's the ankle injury. He did go home to Georgia for a few days, so the Gophers will have a better sense as we get closer to Saturday. But as of now, I am told the Gophers are planning as if he will not play on Saturday. The Vikings signed a new long snapper, last name Overbaugh. He beat out Justin Drescher to be the long snapper this week. Those are the only two guys the Vikings brought in on Tuesday. Overbaugh won the tryout, so the Vikings signed him. It looks like Overbaugh will just be the long snapper for the game Sunday against Chicago. Kevin McDermott should be okay by that January 13th or 14th playoff game. This is presuming the Vikings find a way to get to the two seed. I know there's a very tiny chance, like a 2% chance, a lot of stuff would have to go wrong, including the Vikings somehow losing to the Bears, where the Vikings would be the three seed, thus have to play wild card weekend. But all signs, or at least 98% of the signs, point to the Vikings getting a first-round bye. Kevin McDermott should be good to go, the Vikings' normal long snapper, by that January 13th or 14th playoff game. If the Vikings end up as the two seed, I'm not breaking news here, they will play either the Panthers, Saints, or Rams in that divisional round game January 13th or 14th at U.S. Bank Stadium. I love to keep tabs on local draft prospects, all sports in this case. The NFL draft, a few notes, Jake Wynicki, South Dakota State, Maple Grove High School. He signed with an agent. United Athlete Sports Agency, a guy by the last name of DeMarco. His last name is DeMarco. Not a well-known agent whatsoever, but that's who Jake Wynicki signed with just a couple days ago. Jake Sitchi of Hill Murray High School, Wisconsin Badgers. It looks like he will sign with Ron Slavin. Nothing is official, but signs point to him signing with Ron Slavin. Ron represents Tremaine Brock on the Vikings. He represents a number of guys. He's been around for A long time. He's got ties to the Madison area. So look for that to happen in the near future. I know on a recent Scoop podcast that Frank Ragnow, Chanhassen High School, Arkansas Center, signed with Athletes First, Joe Panos and Brian Murphy. Murphy represents Kyle Rudolph on the Vikings, Harrison Smith, Everson Griffin. Athletes First is one of those big NFL agencies. You think about Drew Rosenhaus, then you think about Athletes First, or even Athletes First before Rosenhaus. So Ragnow signing with the right people because Panos used to to play offensive line in the NFL, former Wisconsin Badger, then had a cup of coffee in the NFL. So Panis knows what it takes to develop an offensive lineman, getting that offensive lineman ready for the combine and the entire pre-draft process. I'll also note that Damon Gibson, he's from Minnesota State Moorhead. I know the Vikings had scouts go up to Moorhead to scout him both at practices and in a game in August and September. He signed with the Fishman and Wilts Agency in New Orleans. So remember that name. Two wide receivers from the state of Minnesota, one collegially, one with high school ties, Jake Wynicky and Damon Gibson. Both guys have real good chances to get drafted. Wynicky for sure will get drafted. The question on Wynicky is how high will he get drafted? But certainly Gibson will have a chance in the Shrine game and other pre-draft opportunities to impress enough to be a late-round pick. I have nothing else earth-shattering to get to, and for sake of maintaining my voice to the point of hopefully I can execute four hours of radio on Thursday, I will now replay the interview that I had with former Gophers coach Jerry Kill from last Thursday on 1500 ESPN. I was working with Judd Zolgad. I was in for Phil Mackey, who happened 
happened to lose his voice that day. So you'll hear me, you'll hear Judd Zolgad, and his former Gophers coach, Jerry Kill. Jerry, good to catch up. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. I'm back here, and uh, we uh, just drove about 14 hours uh, yesterday and the day before, and uh, moving back here to southern Illinois, and uh, got to see my uh, newest-born granddaughter, our first. So uh, that was, uh, you know, as as down as you can be on one end, you you see her and think you forget a lot of things. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, expound on that, Jerry. Has it just been the ultimate roller coaster this month when you have something so joyous? Your first grandchild, but then you need to walk away from the game you so love. Yeah, it's been it's been uh, it's been difficult, and uh, but you know I I have to look back at it when you're driving 14 hours down the road, you got a lot of time to reflect. Is that Rebecca and I have lived such a blessed life? Uh, we met so many people, and through coaching and players, and you know you hear from everybody, and it's it's. Uh, no difference when I left Minnesota. I mean, I don't think I ever really reflected back. I just kind of shut it out of my mind as much as I could. And, and I've reflected back. And, you know, I don't want anybody to feel sorry for Rebecca and I. I mean, you can't have a better life and, and live more blessed life than we have. And, uh, you know, uh, the people we've met along the way, you know, we got to do things nobody else ever gets a chance to do. Mm-hmm. Hey, how, how important was it uh, for you, Jerry, to give coaching one more chance, and at what point did you uh, did you start to think that it it wasn't going to be a long term thing with the Rutgers well, job? I think, I think the deal was is that uh, and people say, "Boy, you should have stayed at K State," and and uh, those people were great to me, and I hadn't had any problems, and uh, I was still on the sideline and the whole works, and uh, working with Bill Snyder, none better than that. But it was a situation that you know when this came up, uh, you know. Uh, it was a deal where, you know, could I, you know, you know, could I coach again? And my wife was good. She goes, you know, you, you may never know if you don't try. And, uh, and, uh, so, uh, I didn't even actually go out to Rutgers. My wife did it. She went out and visited a wife again, bowl game. And then, uh, she came back and, and she goes, you know, do we want to do this? And I said, well, we'll, I said, I'm, I said, I'm good to give it a shot. And, uh, so, you know, uh, Coach Ash and that late director knew what they were getting. I mean, it wasn't that, you know, they knew it could be a year. They, you know, they were, they understood. And, uh, you know, and uh, so, uh, you know, we gave it a shot. And then, you know, when I didn't think I could do it anymore, is, uh, you know, I got rolled up. I don't know what it was, the second or third game mm-hmm. uh, on a play on the sideline and hit my head. And then mm-hmm. I had a few situations after that. And then uh, I won't go into all the things but uh uh it was a you know i've got i've got you know i've got some issues that are are uh, related to all the seizures that are you know something that's uh uh i have to live with here down the road a little bit so it's a deal where you know there really wasn't a decision to be made and and uh i actually was driving i drove 13 hours called the game at illinois and drove 13 hours back because i couldn't fly mm. so uh you know, but that's when I thought this is pretty. This is pretty ridiculous here now. But you know what? Again, wouldn't change it for anything. Met some great player or great people at Rutgers. Uh, enjoyed working with the guys that I worked with. We had a hell of a lot of fun, even though uh, you never win as many as you want to. But we won three Big Ten games, which uh, where Rutgers is at right now in the program. And I compare it to our first, very first year at Minnesota. 
you know, uh, you know, I, I think it was a, a good, uh, a good start for Coach Ash and the crew as they move forward. But uh, you know, it just things happen for a reason, and I don't have any regrets. And you know, I, I'll have opportunities to 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 be a part of a football organization if I want to. Uh, um, I've already I could go back to Rutgers if I want to. And then I had to, as soon as my announcement came, I had two or three calls to, to possibly, you know, go to different institutions if I want to do that. Sure. I may just stay right here in Southern Illinois with my granddaughter. So sure. I, I don't know. I don't have to worry about it right now. Uh, and uh, just see what happens. And, you know, I've got to work with the insurance. I really have to do that. And uh, otherwise, I probably wouldn't. <laughs> right. But uh, anyhow, it's uh, it's been good. It's been all good. I mean, I don't. As I said in my release, I don't regret anything. I did it the right way, and I did it my way. Sometimes that didn't always go good. Uh, I know I forced uh, Minnesota's hand on the new facility and uh, pushed some buttons because I pushed so hard, and you can probably remember those days when I did that. Mm-hmm. And uh, But uh, it was never nothing personal, and, you know, now that, you know, I haven't seen it or anything at all in the facility in general, and, and uh you know, and I didn't always make people happy, but you know, uh, you know, there's been some good things come out of maybe not making people happy all the time. But uh, you know, Rebecca and I, obviously, I still got my Minnesota stuff, and uh, you know, it's one of those things where you know I try to watch as many games as I could, and uh, you know, we love Minnesota and the people in it. You know, people treated me great, and I think that's what I look back at. Great, I, I've been treated at every stop that I've been at. Jerry, will you step back onto the Minnesota campus? Have you let go? You know some of the some of the stuff that bothered you when they let go Tracy Clay's. Will you come back here to see? I mean, that Athletes Village, Jerry, is going to be unbelievable. It's just about done, and I hope people realize that Athletes Village doesn't get built without you. I know others were involved, but all the work that you did, all the money you single handedly raised, Jerry, I'd like to see you back here at some point to see that facility. Well, I, I appreciate that, and you know, there's a lot of people that you know raised money and, and did different things, and a lot of people. I think probably I was the, the the push guy, you know, and I pushed the president really hard, and I pushed the, you know, I mean, I talked about about the media it had to be done at this time, and that's what I was told, and and I was told that, and uh, so I pushed pretty hard, and and uh, and then was able to help raise money and, and uh I do feel like I you know, I'm not my just myself and I feel like the people I was with and, and people that were, you know, there and you know, of course you got the Lindalls, you got a lot of people that everybody worked hard to try to make something come true. But I probably ended up being the bad guy at the end of the day, but the bad guy ended up helping get that facility. <laughs> and uh so I, I, yeah, I would I'd like to see it someday. Uh you know, will I come back to Minnesota? Sure, I'm, I've been back. Uh, you know, to see the the, the people, and uh, I still you know do some fundraising things and so forth. And uh, of course, I've done since I started football again. But I'll come back. You know, as far as coming back to 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 watch a game and and uh, you know go to the facility and look over you know, those things, uh, you know, I still feel strongly. Uh, about how things were handled in that situation. And uh, I probably know more than I need to know. And uh, it's a deal where uh, uh, I'm, I'm always, 
got you going a little bit uh, bullheaded, and and, uh, and I stand by, and I stand by the I'm a loyal guy, and uh, I don't think some things were handled near as well as it could have been, and uh, you know I won't come off that statement. However, I'll go down to Tony's eat all the time. You won't go down to eat Tony's with me, mm-hmm. but uh, <laughs> some, may, may, maybe someday. But there's there's got to be some things that you know some some uh, some changes before I would do that. Uh, however, I will say this is that you know uh, you know I think that the new facility uh, I think certainly you know helps the new regime uh, in the recruiting process. Don't have to feed them on the on the floor or whatever. You guys don't have to get your food out down there in the hallway either when you come up for the conferences. But uh, it's uh, I'm glad that's happened. Uh, I, I, there's nothing more, you know. We still have players there, you know, and so I, I want everybody to do well. And I did I did my part, and uh, you know, it's it's time to let the you know uh, you know this is uh, you know uh, you know this is what. You know, Coach Black, this is his regime and, and, and so forth. But, uh, you know, I can look in the mirror and say that, uh, number one, we did everything right. You know, we didn't cheat. Uh, we academically got that place back on track. Uh, and that was, that was very, very important to me. And uh, we were able to build a, a good foundation for the program to get people excited again. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, – you know, you can always win more games than win the Rose Bowl or anything like that. But uh, uh, we certainly, I feel like, made the program, and, and we did it with integrity, and we did it with class. And uh, um, you know, I had very in my regime. I, you know, you'd have to look up. We had, I don't know, I, I don't know if we had hardly any problems. And, uh, and of course, the one, the one thing that blew up, uh, of course, was a. Uh, was an issue, and so I wasn't there, and I can't comment on everything. But uh-huh. it, you know, I just you know, it's just uh, it's just a deal where it's going to take me some time. But uh, uh, down the road, you know, I'd like to see it, but I still I got to stick by my guns. Still, I got to stick by the sure. people I'm loyal to. Just like picking up a phone calling, I'm loyal to you. You've been good to me, and you've been hard on me too. But you've been fair and honest, and I like on I like honest people and. Uh, uh, that's why I've called you back because mm-hmm. you've gotten on my tail end before, haven't you? I have guilty. Yeah, yes, darn right. And I never held it against you, and uh, because I knew you were talking from your heart and you're honest. It's just too bad not everybody can be that way, and that's what's that's what's screwed up about our country. If everybody just tell it, tell it like it was and tell the truth, it'd be a lot easier. I mean, Jerry, you're right. I mean, you did so much good here. Are you upset when you hear Coach Fleck keep referring to changing the culture? When really, you changed the culture more than anything. I mean, you think about all the changes you made, you know, taking over from, from Brewster. You know, has Fleck really changed that much when it comes to the word culture? Is that does that buzzword? You know, Fleck has done a lot of good, Jerry. He has. I can defend PJ on many things, but I'm wondering if that buzzword culture bothers you. Well, I, I, think, I think it's this. And I'd be lying if I didn't say it didn't at the beginning. Uh you know, uh, there was a good, let's put it this way, you didn't accept a program that had a 2.1, 2.0 GPA. You know, he accepted one that had one of the higher APRs, in, you know, in the conference and in the country. And, and uh, the average GPA was always around 2.9 to 3.1. Uh, you know, uh, 
we had good kids in the program. Uh, so, I mean, I, I, the, the, the culture was there. I mean, that's, I, I mean it is. It was, we didn't leave that in bad shape. I know I didn't. And uh, I know Tracy was kind of a unique thing. But that culture is, is, was good. There's no question. And our coaches were good. We had good people there. I, you go through that building right now, you know, it's anybody. I get calls all the time from the building. Hey, man, we missed you. You know, and you guys are good people. And uh, and so that part of it, yeah, it, it bothers me because, you know, uh, I don't think it was a, he had to clean up the culture. He's inherited a, a gold mine in some aspects because of the facility he's getting. Mm-hmm. I'd like to recruit that facility, baby. You know, <laughs> no, I said when we got that facility, I told you there was no excuses for us not to win. Didn't I say that? Or something like that. And, uh, and that was if I was there. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to, you guys. So I, I, I think, you know, I'm hoping I'm taking it this way is that, you know, he's saying it, the bottom he says that. I just hope he means it that he's bringing it to his style of culture, whatever that may be. Uh, but he, you know, or, or, you know, changing the culture to uh, what he wants. You know what I mean? What he, Perceives it to be in his mind, but sure. as far as having to overhaul a program, he damn sure didn't have to do that. And uh, so, um, you know, PJ worked for me for a year, mm-hmm. and so I, it, it's a deal where you know it's how you interpret it, and I, I didn't interpret it uh, very good uh, when I kept hearing it over and over and over and over and over. He still heard it over and over and over. Mm-hmm. But you know, again, I'm hoping that uh, he, what he means by that is. Is that uh, bringing in his new ideas and you know his new flash, his new, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's I'm okay with that. You know, everybody's their own person. Tracy did stuff that I didn't do. You know, he, he was different than me, and I have no problems with that. And there was probably you know some changes there that were different, and uh, and I'm okay. DJ's got to be his own man, do his own thing. And, hey Jerry. And, uh, yeah. What what would uh, need to change uh, for, for you to feel comfortable coming b- back here? Uh, and have you had the opportunity to talk to uh, Fleck or Coyle since the comments uh, came out after Tracy was let go a year ago? Uh, you know, I I would uh, I had uh, you know brief conversation, but you know I think at that time I wasn't very happy, you know, and uh, so. Uh, there, you know, to sit down and say I had, I sat down and had a conversation, you know, with uh, Mark Coyle. You know, uh, you know, I, I talked to him on the phone for a few minutes, and, and uh, that's it. But that that goes back farther even before, you know, that that uh, um, uh, that he was, you know, uh, in the hiring process, so to speak. I, like I said, I know too much that happened before, so. <laughs> I don't want to say any more than that. I just, I would just say this is that, that again, you know, is that, you know, I'm a gopher. I want Minnesota to do well. And, uh, uh there's a lot of our players there. Uh, you know, again, I haven't said, and I'm not going to, is every coach has his own style. You know, coach, coach Ash is different, a lot different than I was. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make him a bad coach. And, uh, PJ, you know, I mean, hey, you know, he's proven, I don't know what it was. I mean, I pay attention. I mean, you know, either they, 
had one of the top recruiting classes they've had in so long and, and all that stuff. And, you know, and there's no doubt, evidently, the guy, you know, I mean, I worked with him and he can recruit and uh, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So that that part of it's not really the, the issue is with me, with Mark Coyle and, uh, and uh, the president on how they handled that situation. And, uh, and how, you know, uh, you know, Tracy Clayton's halfway across America and how that was handled. I don't think it was fair and, uh, put Tracy in a bad situation. Sure. One, he couldn't win. Right. You know, he, he, if Tracy was the fall guy, that's the bottom line. Let's face it. And, uh, he was the fall guy in the situation and, uh, you know, and, uh, he, he fell on the sword, so to speak. And, uh. That's uh, that happens. That's part of coaching, you know. And I think, if, you know, when you get fired, somebody just says, "Hey, we fired you," be, you know, uh, you know, because we want we want to make a change or something like that. You're okay with that, right? You know, that's part of the business. But uh, when you you get fired uh, in the you know in a situation like Tracy got fired, it, it really you know was, was a deal where it's pretty evident that a guy goes nine and three or whatever it was, because wins nine ball games in Minnesota and everybody in the country's puzzled and everybody's got issues and I mean everybody's got issues in college football with different things. And to fire the guy and the first thing that's ever happened, uh you know, is strange. And there's not a college coach in America that won't tell you that's strange. We wrapped up our chat with Jerry shortly after that comment. It's just, it's one of those issues with conventional radio. We had a bunch of commercials to clear that day. We had not cleared any commercials there in the 11 a.m. hour. We were up against the clock. We had another guest later in the hour, so there was nothing we could do. I mean, Jerry is fantastic. I'll get Jerry on the podcast again. He's been on the podcast before. I got a great conversation with Jerry Kill once, but Phil Mackey hit delete on the podcast by accident. Hey, it happens, though. Phil's my guy. But I'll have Jerry Kill on the podcast again. But I thought, hey, it's the end of the year. You know, I'll update. <clears throat> the situation when it comes to the twins, the wolves, some other notes. But in case you missed that conversation, you know, Jerry doesn't hold back. He certainly is honest. You may not always agree with what Jerry says, but Jerry will make sure you know where he stands. So I appreciate Jerry Kill coming on the radio with me late last week on 1500 ESPN. That'll do it for Scoop Podcast episode 118. Remember to support the sponsor of the Scoop Podcast, Running Tap, the website, running tap. Dot com. I'll be back next week. Be sure to check my Twitter page, DWolfs on KSTP, if I get an update late in this week on the Twins pitching situation, you Darvish, and so on. I certainly will put it on social media. Thank you so much for listening, everyone.